Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 337. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Bombus, and Baron Fig. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hi. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Fun fact behind the scenes, maybe for the first time in a long time, our entire show document was completed a day before we recorded today, which is quite an incredible feat, and we should all be proud of ourselves. Yeah, usually we have like an idea on Tuesday, but we've learned over eight years that you get burned if you do it too far in advance. And so usually like y'all's Wednesday mornings, you go in and then when I get up, I go in and, you know, we have a doc a couple hours before the show. For whatever reason, it was all done yesterday. And then this morning, basically every hour on the hour, I opened Twitter to see if Apple had had an event announcement yet because we'd have to do the Rickies with very little notice. Hey, it could still happen. Can you imagine? I've been thinking about it. What if it happened during the episode today? During the show? It'd be unbelievable and horrible. It'd be like a bloodbath. Can you imagine us trying to work out the Rickies live? Whoa. Yeah, we will deal with that. Oh, dear. Uh, when it happens, if it happens. So, If it happens. If it happens. So I think we're safe for another week. Uh, but yeah. Um, also behind the scenes, America has had daylight savings times change, and y'all haven't. So thank you for coming an hour earlier. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also joined by Federico Vitici. Hello and welcome to a conversation with me. Hi. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's that this connected is now like a conversation with Federico Vitici. Like, this you know, is you... how I'm going to start all my conversations now. Welcome to having a conversation with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you familiar with these? Like a conversation with type things that they'd be like, you, maybe you have like a fancy person, maybe some kind of artist. Sure. And you have someone come and interview them. Yeah. Yeah, I want all of my conversations to be fancy, though. So, yeah, that's my new line. Okay. Hi. How are you, Stephen? Uh, I'm good. I'm glad that we are together. Not doing the Rickies, <laughs> but not doing the Rickies. <laughs> not doing the Rickies. You know, my chairmanship is on the line because I'm the event chairman. And so I've really got to be prepared. Yeah, we're for you, buddy. Yeah. You should be prepared. I've been working on my predictions for a couple of weeks. I've got an Apple note where I just go in and add things as I think about them. Oh, not not craft? Not craft. Mm. I, I kind of gave up on it. That was fast. You're a flip-flopper after all. Speaking no, of not. which... I'm not a flip-flopper. Stephen has finally <laughs> admitted in public to having switched to the iPhone 12 Pro Max, which was something Stephen did ages ago and wouldn't let us talk about on the show. But he spoke about it on... Uh, the members, Mac Power users, more Power users. So now I'm going to bring it up on the show because it's out there now. Uh, Steven switched from the iPhone 12 Pro to the iPhone 12 Pro Max many, many, many months ago. Didn't you? Huh? You oh, did, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. You, you trying to ignore me? Like, what is what's happening? I think now? he is. <laughs> I did. Yeah, you did. Welcome back. You can listen to my reasons uh, by joining Mac Power users. <laughs> that's nice no, no, doesn't matter we could, all I want to do is, is shame you that's so I, I don't need you to explain yourself it's a nice phone no I'm fine I'm, f- I'm fine with shaming uh, let's, let's shame you Mike because you shamed Apple into providing a firmware update that they weren't going to do so shame on you why is this shame I don't know I, just, I need somebody to suffer with me the AirPods Max firmware update that we spoke about last week that came out just before the show uh I think it's fixed my battery drain problem. There have been many people that have been um, 
talking about this on Reddit and stuff, and uh, Macrom has put together an article. But uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that they have fixed my issue. I now um, seem to be getting the kind of battery levels with my AirPods Max that I originally expected I would be getting, right? So, like, if I put them in the case, it extends the battery life. They don't die anymore. Neither have I had in the last week any instances where the AirPods Max seem to be able to connect to a device when I'm not expecting it which is a thing that I was having all the time. Like I would open the Bluetooth thing, you know, like when you when you press the little, I don't even know what you call it, the little broadcast icon or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and my AirPods Max would just show up in there sometimes when they were just in my on my desk in the case in another room, but I haven't had any of those either. So I actually do think that they fixed it and uh, that w- I'm pleased, but it took a while, but I'm pleased because now um, I'm less annoyed by the product. Yeah, I can also confirm that this seems to be fixed uh, in the sense that when I put them in the case and I and I use them again the next day, the battery seems fine, which is you know the whole point of this case. So uh, it was a bit ridiculous how I had to get this firmware update because I think somehow I got myself stuck in a situation where the AirPods Max were not getting the firmware update even though I followed all of the common steps that you can find online so I needed to manually reboot the AirPods Max which you can do by pressing like both buttons Mm. until the LED flashes orange or something I think I found it on Mac Rumors so thank you whoever put it together Um, and after that after a few hours I just I opened settings and I noticed that I was on the new firmware so Yay, Uh, it seems to be working. And they're lasting longer, so thank you, Apple. Thank you, Mike, for making this possible. Thank you to us all. Yes, but thank you especially. Yep, the AirPods mics are fixed. Oh, I like it. Oh, I like that. That's good. Unfortunately, though, to fix the AirPods Max, Apple had to fire the entire HomePod (laughs) team. Uh, They just kept the mini team. (laughs) They had to move everyone over. They just moved them all over. (laughs) It's the give and take of... uh, (laughs) <laughs> because it's gone. A big surprise. HomePod is uh, dead. HomePod's dead. What's especially funny is that Apple is saying, but we still have HomePod Mini. <laughs> and I think it's funny because they have a product called HomePod Mini, which is the mini version of what exactly? Like it's At this point, if the HomePod is discontinued, the HomePod Mini is the mini version of nothing. It's kind of like when the regular iPad went away and it was just the iPad Mini Air and then Pro. It's like, well... There's something missing here, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess there isn't a Mac. Mm-mm. No, but there really never has been. I mean, I mean, the original Macintosh was the Mac. Yeah, just the original. And that's been, you know, that got renamed pretty quickly to the 128. But And to be fair, the Mac Mini is smaller than the original Macintosh. So, so I mean, it holds up. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is based against that one. You know, so... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we can keep going down this road, like iPod Touch, is they're, they're all touch, right? There's, there's... But it's the iPod you touch the most. <laughs> but there is no other iPod. Is it a surprise the HomePod is dead? No. No. No, no I would not. say yeah. What? Mm. Well, no, man. Okay, so if I, so would any of you have predicted last week that they would have killed the HomePod this week? Oh, well, not this week, but I think broadly speaking, it's not a surprise that they're killing this because it was going nowhere. It surprises you that they've done this and haven't replaced it? Yes. Like, I would have thought they would have replaced it. 
or something. That one, that one is surprising to me. Like it doesn't surprise me that the original HomePod is discontinued. What's surprising here to me is like the the broader picture of you just discontinued something that was arguably like your premium home product, and you don't have a replacement, and you did it on a Friday afternoons, almost like out of shame. Uh, you know, that's yep. when companies try to bury the bad news. So you did it on a Friday afternoon. You don't have a replacement. You're saying that you have the home. HomePod Mini, which right now, I mean, it's a good sounding mini speaker, but really, there's no base model HomePod anymore. And this leaves Apple, I think, what's really surprising to me and concerning to an extent is the overall situation that they got themselves into where they are, maybe it's a bit of an exaggeration, but I don't think they are competitive in the home market at all at this point because they have uh, so the HomePod has been discontinued. Um, they have a HomePod Mini, which is the only device with support for the new Thread Radio standard for uh, wireless communications between accessories in the home. And it's a good-sounding speaker, more expensive than other smaller speakers by other companies. Mm-hmm. Then they have an Apple TV 4K, which is a ridiculously overpriced accessory for 4K uh, content with support for Dolby Vision and Atmos. And right now you can get devices, for again, from other companies with similar specs, support for 4K and Dolby Vision and Atmos, you know, HDR and all of those different standards at a much lower price in an even arguably, I mean, if you get an Amazon Fire TV um, stick, like the 4K version, much, much smaller form factor even. With, a, with access to all of Apple's content. With access to all of Apple's content with a remote that was designed for humans instead of, you know, <laughs> you know trained monkeys in a lab. And like, <laughs> what, where does that leave us in terms of what's the HomeKit story right now? And I think... Uh, Zach Hall and 9to5Mac, we linked uh, to Zach's story today on, on, on the site. Uh, it, it makes a really good point of like this strategy, this home strategy that Apple has right now, if it can be called a strategy, is really perplexing. And the story argues that maybe it's time for some kind of roundtable like they did years ago for the Mac to sort of explain the situation and reassure customers that Apple was still in the market for professional Mac users. And Zach argues that it maybe it's time to sort of have some clarity regarding what Apple is doing exactly in the home. They have an Apple TV 4K that hasn't gotten an update in, what, three years? Still costs $180. And the HomePod is gone. There's the HomePod Mini. So, like, is the Apple Home... I mean, right now, the Apple Home strategy is the HomePod Mini, essentially. Yeah. On the side, there's also the Apple TV 4K, which you can use as a hub for HomeKit, and the also the iPad can be used as a hub. Uh, it's, it's a very confusing strategy. So, there is... I have to believe there is something missing at the moment. You know, it's it's funny when they initially announced the Apple TV and then even when they changed it over the years, you know, because the first several Apple TVs are like drastically different from each other. Apple would always call the Apple TV a hobby. And I feel mm. like even though they have TV plus and this other stuff, like it just feels like the living room in the house in general is just not something Apple's super interested in. Mm. And it seems like such a mistake. I mean, 
they could have all this stuff super well integrated, but instead you've got a bunch of iPhone and, and iPad users. Maybe they have a HomePod, but they probably have something from Amazon or Google or, or somebody else in their kitchen. You have a bunch of iPhone and Mac users running these awesome like mesh Wi-Fi networks that Apple... Okay, okay, you can run HomeKit on the Eero, but no one knows what that means, and everyone's too afraid to hit the button. Like Apple could just have all of this stuff wrapped up. It's like, I did that, and I genuinely don't know what it's done for me. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I did the whole thing, and I could not tell you what features it gave me. Yeah, I've been afraid to, uh, to hit that button on my network. But, you know, Apple has a large customer base. That, like, if they had more of this stuff, more people would buy it, right? Like, I... Miss the days where I had like a airport, you know, base station. It was really easy to manage, and I knew that it would just work with all my stuff. And yeah. and Apple's just given up so many parts of this market as this market overall is heated up. I mean, you have Facebook making one of these things now to live in your home. Like, I just don't understand why Apple just doesn't seem to be paying attention to it. You know, maybe they are, and we'll see something in the future. But like, this is rapidly evolving, and I mean. The Echo's been out for years, and all Apple has now is a HomePod Mini with like a super subpar voice assistant on it. Yeah, and what they what they the risk here is that with these home products, I think we're seeing a new kind of you know what people used to call the halo effect. Like you see it, for example, in in how once you get into the Echo ecosystem and you start using it and you appreciate how the assistant works and all of the different skills then you see the consequence on the services that you use because we like the Echo so much. That was one of the reasons why I started using Spotify instead of Apple Music. And, you know, it's this sort of a cascading effect of you start with one accessory in the home and then eventually everyone in the home likes it and then you start thinking, well, what are the services and the, you know, the apps that work well on it? And so you start using those and Apple is also a services, companies, a services company and they know this, which is why it is so surprising not that the home part is gone but they don't that they don't have a replacement for it and that they don't have a good story to tell in terms of integration with services in terms of siri which is still so like bad compared to other assistants i mean let's not even get started on that i i, I don't i'm very confused is my takeaway here the thing about killing the home part now does seem to suggest that if they have a strategy, they're not delivering it anytime soon. Because if they had, it doesn't have to be HomePod 2, some other type of product that they thought, oh, this is better, we shouldn't keep making the HomePod, they would have introduced that product, right? And then gotten rid of the HomePod. Usually that's how it goes with like computers. They introduce the new one and then you go to the store and the store when the store comes back, the old one gets discontinued. Right. Uh, or, or unless you're the iMac Pro. Uh, yeah, I do think <laughs> yeah. it shows that there is something, like if there's something, it's, it's a long ways off. The other thing um, that has come up in the Discord is like, why not just let it sit there? Right? Like, why not just keep selling it as it is? I, I wonder about that. I wonder if, like, I'm, I'm not trying to use the COVID excuse, but I'm wondering if there's potentially, like, all of these products, you know, they're only left to sit there for as long as they choose to make them, right? And th they may have decided we're going to stop making this product at this time because we have some other thing that we want to introduce. 
but they are not able to introduce that thing that yeah it's been delayed for whatever reason but they already decided to stop making the home pods so they just did it it's a very tenuous like yeah. suggestion but i would assume that there has to be some reason because i mean it is the modus operandi to just have these things live like yeah. why not that it's kind of unless if they if they're saying they're going to continue supporting it in software there's literally zero reason to stop selling this product like just leave it as something available for people that want it right like unless they have something that's about to happen that this thing wouldn't have supported and they think is important. Right. Like, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, maybe because it doesn't have a thread radio in it and that and the thread radios are going to become more important for device interoperability, maybe something's about to happen so they wanted to stop selling the HomePod because it doesn't have that feature. I don't know. But you've got to assume there's some reason, right? Because why get rid of it? Yeah, but but in, in that case, update it with the thread radio, update it with something newer than the A8. Yeah, it's, it's all very strange. Sure. I am very curious what they do with the HomePod Mini. You know, I've got one. I really like it. And and for HomeKit stuff, it's it's pretty good. And, you know, part of that is a decision that we made that we didn't necessarily want an Amazon voice assistant anymore. And that's everyone can make their own decisions. But the Minis sounds pretty good for what it's what it is. And I think Jason made this point an upgrade. I've heard or read it somewhere this week, but sounding pretty good is enough. Uh you don't you don't have to sound like a bonkers HomePod dual setup to sell. And I think Apple just thought that that was the most important thing. And the reality, it's it's price and the voice assistant. And as long as the music sounds pretty good, people are fine. Turns out most people don't need to fill a room with sound. Right. You do that by just turning it up. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace because it lets you easily create a website for your next idea with unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, or host a portfolio, or write a blog, or share a podcast. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of that, all on one site. You don't have to go and piecemeal it together. They have all the parts you need. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. No scary server software upgrades are needed in the middle of the night. Squarespace has all of that stuff covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. One of my favorite things about Squarespace is that you do have access to all of those building blocks, all of those modules. And so just because you start a site without a portfolio, without a blog, doesn't mean you can really easily add it later. You just go in, create the page, and then you're up and running in just a few minutes. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of the show and all of FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, uh, moving on. Craft has been updated to add indent swiping. Mike, do you want to tell us about this? 
Yeah, so we've been talking a little bit about some stuff that we wanted Craft to do differently with outlining, and they have done one of those things. So now if you're on the iPhone uh, and you are using an outline, like a bulleted list, you can now swipe left and right when you're in the editing mode for that line to indent and outdent, which Very is nice. great. Like This is a fantastic addition. Uh, there's still a couple of things that they I would want them to do. Like for example, please do share so that so they can get they can add them. Yeah. So this is me saying the next thing to do uh, <laughs> is if you if I'm saying I'm writing a bulleted list and I've indented, if I want to outdent again, every other app that I've used, you would press enter to go to a new line, press enter again, and you will then outdent or indent left, uh, as we call it. Um, so that's another thing I'd like them to do, but the swiping uh, is excellent, and I'm very happy that they've added mm-hmm. that because when you don't have access to a keyboard, because you you can't use tab and shift tab to do indenting left and indenting right, uh, it's nice to be able to swipe instead. So I'm actually really really happy they've added this, but now I just want charts or tables, tables, not charts, tables, tables is the phrase. Sorry, yeah. tables. Evernote got tables on mobile a few days ago i saw that <laughs> so i'm ready to move you're ready to switch back unless craft does it google has made a change to the google play store where they're dropping commissions to 15 percent. they were also at 30 like the app store and they're doing it for the first million dollars of uh, an app's sales uh, so devs don't have to worry about going over like in the apple program where in the small business program for the app store once you step over a million dollars, you're back at 30% for the next year. And it's like this dance. And we've talked about how that could put some developers in a really bad spot. And so Google, I think, is doing it in a much more fair way. Hey, the first million dollars, 15%, and then we go up from there. I kind of wish Apple had done this instead. Yep. Yeah, it seems much easier. Like, no questions asked. First million, 15%, that's it. Mm-hmm. It seems like, yeah, that's probably the way to go. It'd be... Imagine making something simple. I mean, I <laughs> get the argument that like if you are um, like a multi-million company, like it's fine if you pay the 30, like the higher tax. Like I get the yeah. sentiment behind it. None of these stores should be able to charge 30% at all. At but all. Like, the, the, like it's the principle of it that I think is wrong in that, yeah, these stores... Like, even if you are a super rich so company, high. 30%. In 2021, it's so high. It's kind of ridiculous. So, it's unbelievable. Like, I get the idea of taxing the rich, which is sort of what Apple is doing. But 30% is too high. Yeah, but regardless. they're only taxing the rich to keep the money themselves. It's like, you, you typically tax the rich to help everyone out. But, like, they're just the richest company in the world taxes every other company in the world just for fun, right? <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, uh, they think they are sort of this sort of modern Robin Hood, you know, taking money from the rich. But also, you are also rich. Keep. Uh, you're not exactly giving it back to the poor. Um, but, yeah, so I think that considered... It's much easier to follow the Google model. You know, just fewer complications, right? Mm-hmm. It's 15% for the first million, whatever. That's it. So will they copy it? I doubt it. So They have 11 months or so to do it, though, right? Because mm-hmm. that first million thing, it's not going to affect anyone until the year anniversary of the program. I mean, people would not have been able to join it, of course, which is not great. 
But the the issue that people talk about a lot of what if you get close to a million dollars before the end of the year, like, and where you're going to, you know, like whatever, like that, they have time. But honestly, I don't think they're going to change it because it was obviously the sensible thing to do in the first place. It was obviously the fairer thing to do in the first place. Nobody, Google didn't have to do this for Apple to know that. They definitely heard all of the complaints that developers had about the system and about the issues like these issues of what do you do if you get to a million dollars right that was brought up within the first 24 hours of apple announcing it they announced it in advance they said so they could take in feedback they heard the feedback and decided that they wanted to do it the way that they were going to do it they must have assumed google would do this right it's obvious google was going to do this and was going to do it the way that people wanted so they, you know, it's not an incredibly difficult game of chess to play this situation out, and this is the route that they've chosen, and I expect that they'll stay that way. This episode of Connected is also made possible by Bombas. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. My guess is the history of feet's a long time, uh, but they've rethought every detail of the socks that we wear to make them way more comfortable. This is all I have in my sock drawer. When they started sponsoring us, we got some, and I have bought more since then. They're very comfortable. They hold up really well. I think we've all had socks that, you know, six months in, they're starting to come apart. Not an issue with Bombas. All these socks do more than keep our feet cozy, though. They help give back to the most vulnerable members of the community because every pair of socks that you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Thanks to the generosity of customers, they have donated over 40 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of more than 3,000 giving partners. And the impact is more powerful now than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes and a small comfort that's especially important right now. So give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com connected. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash connected for 20% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Bombas for their support of the show and Relay FM. So Federico, Hello. you had a review unit um, and then subsequently published first impressions of the Kensington Studio Dock. Yes. This is the product that we spoke about, I believe it was during CES week. Uh, basic Kensington created a product which effectively looks like the stand of, of like a pro display or something, which you put an iPad into. It has two charging pads, one for AirPods and one for the iPhone, Qi pads in the foot. Um, and on the back, a bunch of ports for the mm-hmm. iPad, USB-C, HDMI, Ethernet, um, and regular USB as well. So, Federico, uh, what is your impression of this? Let's get a little bit of a rundown from you. All right. So, it's difficult to write about this because, first of all, it is an expensive accessory. So, the there's two versions, one for the 11-inch iPad Pro and iPad Air that costs uh, $380. And there's the Ooh. version that I got for the 12.9-inch uh, iPad Pro, which costs uh, $400. So, I mean, you're looking at an accessory like a stand that is both... I think the easiest way to, to describe it is it's a stand with integrated ports. So, like, it's a hub 
that is also a stand that also happens to have a Qi charging pad in its base. And it costs $400. (laughs) And like... I get it. It's not. It's obviously not an accessory for for a lot of people. Look, this is the Mac Pro wheels for iPad users. Kinda, yeah. This is like the Pro Display XDR stand for iPad. Sort of. <laughs> so it's half the cost. <laughs> um, and the timing of it is also problematic because there's. We've seen the rumors of of this upcoming, in theory, refresh for the iPad Pro line. And now it's not guaranteed that the new iPad Pro, if there's a new iPad Pro, it's not guaranteed that it'll be compatible with this uh, accessory. Because the way that it works is it uses a combination of magnets and a USB-C connector to hold the iPad in place. So you slide the iPad, there's this magnetic plate sort of made of plastic and you slide the iPad on top of it. And then you, there's this single USB-C connector that has to be connect that has to be attached to the iPad Pro. And the reason why you need to plug it in is it is effectively uh, acting as a hub. So you plug in a single USB-C connector into the iPad and then you get access to all of the other ports. So again, this is a stand that is also a hub. And from a design perspective, I think it's kind of genius. I I really like the idea. Instead of being a useless piece of aluminum that is only like this um, object that has no function, in addition to being a stand, it's also a hub. So I kind of dig the idea personally. and I also like the build quality of it. It's made of uh, aluminum and plastic. It's chunky. It's heavy. I mean, it weighs almost three kilograms. So it's not like you can tell that it's not cheap. Um, doesn't doesn't slide off your desk. And when you put the iPad onto the magnetic thing um, and you try to touch the screen, it doesn't wobble. I tested this by uh, touching with my fingers like really like even more aggressively than usual using the apple pencil like it stays in place it's really well done it's really well made um the quality of the chi charging pad is good there's a power button on the side that lets you turn off the whole unit and just use it as a stand obviously there's a in addition to the price the downside is you want to get access to all of these ports uh, you're gonna requ- you're gonna have to use an external power brick for it, and so there's this chunky power brick uh, that you need to find room for behind your desk or whatever, because this is a powered hub. I really like it. So, let aside the conversation about the timing and the price. So imagine for a second that timing is not a concern, and money is not an issue. As a as an iPad accessory, as I wrote in the story. I think it definitely is perhaps the most interesting uh, iPad accessory for a desktop usage that I've ever tried. I love the fact that you get access to a bunch of ports. I love the customizable viewing angle, and I love the support for the two orientations. So you can use a you can use the iPad in landscape, or you can rotate it to portrait, which is not a thing that all stands do. And I love that the viewing angle is really customizable from 0 to 120 degrees. So you can almost uh, tilt it all the way back, uh, sort of facing out from you. I like it. I, I love working with it. And I'm, and I'm actually trying it as a setup at my desk for, uh, for a couple of weeks and see how it goes. But obviously, in order to like it 
like this is a product made for a very specific type of user, right? The the kind of person that really considers the iPad Pro as their primary computer and would like to have a sort of a quote-unquote workstation setup. So you set it up at a desk and then you have a magic keyboard perhaps or you know another Bluetooth keyboard. Then you have a magic trackpad, which is almost kind of required with this accessory because it's the, I mean, the magic trackpad is really the only external trackpad option you have on iPadOS at the moment. You could use a mouse, but the trackpad is, is I mean, be- you can use best. a mouse, but, you know, it's kind of sad. Um, and so, and, and also when you, I, I had this in the story, when you factor in the cost of a magic keyboard and the magic trackpad, it's not a $400 purchase anymore. It's more like a, a $630 purchase <laughs> at that point. So, you you got to keep that in mind, unless you do have a spare trackpad and a spare keyboard, obviously. So it's impossible to just say, yeah, you should get this product right now. I don't think you should get it. I don't think most people should buy this product right now. I think because I did try myself to buy this product, right? So before Kensington got in touch a few weeks ago, right after CES, I tried to buy this product on my own. And I couldn't because the Kensington website apparently only works in the United States or you can only buy this product online in the United States. And then I thought, okay, I can get John to buy it from me. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I don't want to bother John with this other accessory. We'll see what happens. We'll see when it comes out and we'll reconsider. And then Kensington got in touch with me and I was like, okay, sure, send me a review unit. That's, you know, good timing. But like I cannot generally come out and say, you know, Mac stories readers, buy this thing. The timing of it is like it's the worst possible timing <laughs> right now. And it's also too expensive. But if you happen to be that kind of like crazy individual who's like, I need to have the absolute best for my iPad Pro. I love my iPad Pro so much. I work on it 10 hours a day. And I really want to have this desktop setup and you use a bunch of accessories that you want to plug into the iPad Pro. And you like the idea of charging your iPhone and AirPods at the same time, then yeah, this is a very nicely designed product. So um, I really like it. I really, really do like it. Even though, like, as I wrote in the story, the USB standards that it uses could have been a little more modern, for example. Uh, or perhaps in a future revision, it would be nice if it wasn't two Qi charging pads, but perhaps a MagSafe uh, dock instead of standard Qi. Mm-hmm. But right now, I really like it, and I am going to use it, but it's impossible for me to honestly recommend it to most people. If you didn't like this, no, it's not good for anyone. Yeah. Right, because you, you are the most prime of prime customer for this product, right? Like, this should be exactly for you. I have somewhere yes. to put my iPad on my desk, and now I'm using my iPad on my desk. Yeah. And I've got all my stuff around me, and it's awesome. Um, so I, I have a selection of questions for you. Mm-hmm. How strong is the connection? Like, what is actually holding it up? Uh, it's very strong. Uh, it's the combination of uh, the magnets uh, mm-hmm. in this plastic... Um, sort of tray that you attach the iPad to. And there's the USB-C connector that has this plastic enclosure uh, with a little clip that sort of covers. uh, It's like a 
what is it, like a one centimeter plastic clip that holds the display in place. Explain to me the process of actually attaching it, though, because um, I don't understand how you get put it on there. You slide it in from the, in this case, landscape mode. Uh, you slide it in from the left side, and you can feel the magnets kicking in, but then you also plug it into the USB-C connector. At okay. The end. Yeah. Okay. Does it feel like there's any stress points? Like, because I, no. like, I look at something like this and I wonder, like, could you knock it off and break off the USB-C connector or something? No, that was one of my concerns. Like, is it one of those accessories that you got to do one of those weird motions to attach it or to mm -hmm. take it out? And it feels like you're going to break it. But no, it doesn't feel that way, thankfully. And the plastic is not like this thin and ch like it's a very chunky uh, plastic tray uh, that you're attaching the iPad to. And no, it doesn't feel like it has any stress points. You don't have to do like it doesn't really re require any particular pressure or dexterity to, atta to attach it or to take it out. Um, it, it's pretty easy and it feels good to it feels OK to do. In the story that you wrote on Mac Stories, you referenced how it's like funny looking back at a year ago because you'd published mm -hmm. the big article that you wrote about the modular computer where you were talking about how you're using your iPad at a desk. Then a couple of weeks later, the Magic Keyboard for iPad came yeah. out. And yeah. then you no longer use the desk setup anymore and you just use your iPad in a laptop arrangement. Yeah. Why or how could this product take you away from that? That's the thing. Uh, the Magic Keyboard was so good that I was using the Magic Keyboard at my desk with like the keyboard uh, on the desk and me sitting in front of it because of... It's like a laptop. Like, yeah, because it was like a laptop and because the integration of the keyboard and trackpad was so good. And this is the first product that I've tried because I have tried to go back to a sort of a, using the magic keyboard when I want to work from the sofa or when I'm laying in bed, but then have something else on my desk. I've tried a bunch of different ways and none of them was as nice, as nicely integrated as the studio dock is. And I think it's a combination of, you know, display rotation and the viewing angle and like, this is the first time in almost a year, because I got the Magic Keyboard in May, so 10 months ago. This is the first time that I'm like, yeah, I could see myself using this instead of the Magic Keyboard all day long. So I, I kind of want to try and go back to the way it used to be, which was like, sometimes I'm working at my desk, and then when I don't want to sit at my desk anymore, I take the iPad out, I put it in a case, and I have a laptop and I can go work, especially now that it's starting to feel nice to, to be outside on the balcony. Like I, I can work outside or I can work from the, from the sofa. So kind of go back to that really modular, as I, as I said many times, approach of like the iPad, you can become a desktop um, computer or now you are a laptop because you, you are inside the Magic Keyboard. So it's nice to go back to that. Uh, but I mean, I've been doing this for three days, so it's kind of too early to tell. But other accessories that, that I tried to fit into this sort of approach before, uh, none of them lasted more than a day. So I think it's, it's, it's going well so far as an experiment. This product has a bunch of ports, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. But do you feel like the iPad Pro can actually really utilize these ports? Um, like USB, you could put 25 USB ports on an iPad, sure. but I don't feel like I could get any use out of that, you know? Sure. Well, for now, 
that becomes a, a like a, a personal question, obviously. Uh, how many accessories do you have that you need to plug in and, and either charge or uh, connect to your iPad Pro for other reasons? And so usually, there's like two things that I that I that I'm going to use this product for. One of them is charge my um, my Kindle <laughs> because it's so convenient to have that USB-C port on the side, <laughs> and uh, I have a short um, uh, cable that I bought from Amazon. Like it's a USB-C to micro USB cable that to charge my Kindle Oasis, and so for that it's kind of perfect because I can just plug it in the side of of the studio dock and it charges my Kindle. Hey, Kindle should get Qi charging. Yeah. Or USB-C, you know. No, nah, just Qi. Just go straight to Qi. I mean, like, you know, I'm not the biggest fan, but it would charge super fast. But I just feel like that, it's just something about just that the, the book thing, putting the book down and it charged just seems kind of nice. But I do have a pop socket on the Kindle, so I'm not sure if it, even if, it, you know. That will stop you. I'll tell you that. What is this thing like when you take the iPad off of it and go walk around or work somewhere else? I mean, you just have like this giant metal sculpture on your desk now. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. You have this metal thing on your desk with a black plastic tray uh, floating on top of it. That's basically what it is. Uh, it looks kind yeah, of Yeah, but empty. when your monitor's off, your monitor's off. Like it's... But um, back to the ports, um, the other thing that I do is also charge and put uh, new music on my Walkman music player mm-hmm. so I can access my local music library uh, wirelessly uh, from my iPad because I have this external SSD connected to my Mac Mini so I can leave the Mac Mini turned on with the display turned off I can manage my library from the iPad using um, uh, what, what am I using now File Explorer I think it's called it's this third party app for uh, connecting to my Mac Mini via SMB because I, I, I find the connection the SMB connection from files to be kind of unreliable and I can also download music on my iPad and copy it to the Walkman because I can connect the Walkman via USB um, and usually like right now for example we are because of covid we are in the so-called red zone and if you want to go if you need to go out for particular reasons like you want to go grocery shopping or you need to go to the doctor you got to print out this document and sign a document that says you know my name is this one and i live here and i'm going to this place for this particular reason and if the authorities if the like uh, if the police stops you on the way you got to hand over this document but we don't have a printer at home thankfully though right by the end of the street there's like this shop that it's like an like an office supply type of store and among various things, you can go there and print out your documents if you don't have, like, because so many people don't have a printer anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I, ju- I need to, um, to bring a USB thumb drive with me to print out whatever documents I want to print. And so I also have this thumb drive that I can connect to the studio doc. In fact, I just did it today to transfer doc- PDF documents to it. Um, and... What I find really use, useless, though, is the HDMI port because, it. first of all, my ultra-fine 4K display does not have a, a HDMI input. So I would probably need some kind of HDMI to display port adapter if I want to use it. And I, and it, HDMI is so pointless on this thing. But it's the broader point is it's pointless right now 
because this is the kind of accessory that begs for real multi-display support on iPad. It's like instead of looking at my iPad elevated, I'll just turn to the right a little bit and look <laughs> at it on a monitor instead. <laughs> so like, it doesn't really make sense. It's like, oh, yes, I can turn and look at the same exact home screen in two different places. So it doesn't really make sense. In the future, it would be extra nice, though, to say, okay, here's my iPad on the left side, uh, elevated thanks to the studio dock, and on the right side, I can drag over a window or a split view. Or like I can actually use the external monitor for additional content, not for mirroring. So it's pointless right now. Maybe it could become useful in the future. Maybe. I don't know. But so the USB ports are useful for me personally because I'm kind of weird and I have a Kindle and I have a Walkman. I have all these, all these old school accessories that I use for pleasure. Uh, and obviously there's also like, I can, um, I can use my Walkman as a USB DAC. So I can use my Sony headphones, uh, with the iPad. Uh, but uh, like I said, most people probably don't need all of these ports and yeah, that's it. If you're also strange like me and have a bunch of accessories, then yeah, it's fantastic to have all those ports. Most people will probably be fine with just one additional port. Yeah, This thing seems cool, but a little bit potentially ahead of its time. Yeah, I think that's a fine description. Yes, it's a, it's a wishful accessory for the kind of iPad feature that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. And it's, I mean, let's face it, it's also very expensive. Like when I was talking about it with Sylvia, she was like, hey, how does that thing that you received cost? And I was like, well, it's 400 And then if you want to add the Magic Keyboard and Trackpad, it's like 600 So like, well, are, are, she said, are there people who are going to like um, offend you for uh, <laughs> reviewing that type of product? And I was like, probably, but also I think it's pr it's pretty cool. So, the magic keyboard's really expensive as well. Sure, but you know, it's it's made by Apple, so there's the cost of it's made by the premium brand, and also it's. I mean, I don't honestly have a justification for the magic keyboard's pricing. Um, it is at least, I think, more immediately useful yeah, and more understandably useful than this product is yeah. for more people. Like the Magic Keyboard really does unlock a different type of iPad experience, like immediately, yes. like it really does. And and I think one that, that more people are comfortable with, right, because it makes the iPad more laptop-like. I don't know how many people honestly are looking to make their iPad more desktop-like. Probably not that many. Which is probably also why this costs $400. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a small market fit. Here's the thing for me. Honestly, like, this would be a really interesting product for me if I could adjust the height. Oh, yes. Uh, that's the, the major complaint about this. It's not height adjustable at all. Yeah. Good, good point. Like, that's, that's like a big thing. Because what's the height of it off the desk? Uh, so the bottom edge of the iPad is about 15 centimeters above the desk. That's nothing. Yeah. I'm it's looking not... down at that. Yeah. Still. Like I have a 15 centimeter ruler in front of me right now. And like, I'm look, I'd still be looking down even at the top of the iPad. So I'd have to put the stand on top of a box or something. Or on top of a Mac mini. So you have like your Mac set up. <laughs> And your iPad set up sitting on top of it. 
I'll be worried this thing will just eventually go right through the top of that Mac Mini. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this, all of this, um, this, this, this uh, testing this accessory, it led me to some, uh, let's say, modifications to my setup, which also... Kickstands! No, 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 no. I mean in the <laughs> sense that... So for the longest time, and by longest time, I mean since October 2018, since I got the Mac Mini... My desk, which is a small desk because we live in a small apartment at the moment, my desk was configured in a way that there was like the main um, computer and the additional one. So more space was dedicated to the Mac Mini and the Ultra Fine and less space to where I would sit with the iPad. And I am now trying to reverse that. So I have switched, moved things around, uh, and now there's more space dedicated to the Kensington Studio Dock, the compact Magic Keyboard, and the Magic Trackpad for the iPad Pro, and the Mac Mini and the Ultra Fine are tucked in a corner of the desk because I only use them twice a week, effectively. So I'm trying that. More space for the computer that I use more during the day. Uh, but I have a question. Um, is there any kind... So you know how, I think I mentioned this, a while back I bought this little accessory that I stuck under my desk to... It's like a headphone holder. Uh, what's it called? Uh, like a hook? Uh, it's not called the other... It's like a hook that you stick By with. By the like, Elevation Lab people? The, yes, the Elevation Lab people. I bought that and it's genius. I love it so that I can keep... Um, a pair of uh, two pair of two pairs of headphones under my desk. They are within reach, but they don't bother me visually, or they don't get in the way because they're just lying around. The anchor. D yes, it's it's super well done. I love it, and it's cheap. It's like what fifteen dollars or something on Amazon. Yeah. Um, now, is there a similar thing, but for hiding a magic keyboard and a trackpad under your desk? Like, is the, does anybody make some kind of, I don't know, tray? I was going to say, this is called a keyboard tray. <laughs> keyboard tray. Really? People make them? Well, you're more likely to get a desk that has an integrated keyboard no, tray. No, I, I want to stick it under my desk. What does stick it mean? How do you want get, to get it? You want to you, you then take it out and put it on top of the desk? Is that what you want to do? No, 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 no. I just wanted the tray to hold the keyboard in place, and then when I want to get the keyboard, I can just, you know... Oh, oh, yeah. There's a bunch of these on Amazon, it looks like. Keyboard drawers and keyboard platforms, all sorts of stuff. Some screw in, some clamp on. You get lots of options. I, I want it to be like the headphone one, that it just uses tape to stick to the bottom oh. of the desk. Well, you're going to be uh, clamping or screwing things in, it looks like. Mm, I don't want to use a clamp, though. I'm sure you can find the kind of thing that you're looking for. Do I have too to make my work. own? Mm. Well, I mean, you could. That would be an interesting thing to look at. Well, I'm going to have to do some research here. There's a ton of them. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I really like this product, but you shouldn't buy it, especially right now. I'll tell you what you should buy instead. Uh, the 12 South Hoverbar Duo and a USB-C dock. Ah, this is the the new stand. I have the Hoverbar Duo. Okay. It's great. Like, it's exactly what it says it is. It is a stand that, like, I mean, it has some wobble to it, 
But I don't think that's a problem because I don't really know who's putting their iPad in a stand and then still tapping it. Like you would, you should move to a mouse or a trackpad if you're going to have your iPad elevated in front of you. Like, I mean, you could do the occasional thing. Like, you know, maybe you just have it off to the side and you want to just tap something every now and then. But like, if you're going to be like typing out an email, like don't do it on the screen in front of you. That's madness, right? Like you should be doing it on a keyboard. But you get this and you just plug in a USB-C dock to it. You have all of, I mean, you have to do a little bit of cable management, but that's not the hardest thing in the world. You'll have all of the ports that you want and you'll have a vastly more maneuverable um, iPad. This thing goes super high, right? Like I'm six foot one and I can put this thing on my desk and have it at my eye height and still could go higher. It's great. And then you, this, if you got, I use the OWC USB-C dock which is 120 bucks, plus this thing, which is 90, you're at half the price with, I think, pretty much all of the functionality. Maybe you just want to get yourself a Qi charger as well, and then you're done. It's not as nice looking, right? It hasn't got that overall Apple aesthetic. You're going to be in a bit of a janky like world, but ultimately, it is, I think, more accessible, more flexible of a system than this uh admittedly very nicely put together product but you know you're using a clamp right like it hasn't got the beautiful magnets that you put it in and you have to then still plug in something via USB-C every time you want to sit down in front of it but you're kind of you know it's not that far away from what you're doing to plug this thing in I just think that this is really cool uh and maybe maybe you want the aesthetics over the usability which I'm not you know I'm not like casting any aspersions but like just for me personally what i want is the maneuverability that this thing gives the hoverboard duo would give and then i can just use a usb-c dock and i'm perfectly fine like this just works better for me i just want to put that out there as an option for people just because this hoverboard duo is really good it's a very very good product mm. it works just as you would expect and want it to very well so okay that, that is my recommendation provided that so two, if two things happen, if one, the an upcoming iPad Pro doesn't completely destroy this um, right. Kensington thing because it just won't work anymore, which I don't know, but maybe. Um, and if Apple add more stuff to uh, iPad OS that could potentially make better use of all of the ports on that thing, I think this is a cool product if, if it's what you're looking for. Like if you're looking for a clean aesthetic on your desk and you want to put your iPad into a thing, this is it. Like, maybe you could just get, um, like, you know, I have my iMac on a, on a stand. Like, on a, my iMac foot sits on top of this big thing. It's like, I don't remember who makes this one, but there are lots of products. I think 12 South even make one. Just buy one of those things, put the, the Kensington thing on top, and you've got the eye height that you want, and it all looks nice. It's up to you. But I just want to put that out there as another option. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Baron Fig. We know how important pen and paper is to creativity, and so does Baron Fig. They're a startup that launched in 2013 when they introduced the Confidant Notebook. What originally started out as a small project between designer and CEO Joey Caffone and his friends quickly turned into something much more. With nearly 10,000 Confidant Notebooks sold in the first 30 days, Baron Fig's founders realized that there was a lack of quality thinker products on the market. And since then, they've expanded their line of tools for thinkers to include notebooks, writing instruments, bags, accessories, and so much more. 
These notebooks are super nice. My wife uses their journaling notebook. She has quite a few on the shelf that she's filled up and quite a few to fill up. And they're just really nicely made, high quality products. Listeners of Connected can use the code CONNECTED20 to get 20% off their very own idea tool set from Baron Fig, which includes a confidant notebook, squire pen, and a guardian case. Baron Fig not only works towards championing thinkers around the world through inspiration and imagination, but they're also dedicated to leaving the earth better than they found it. That's why for every confidant notebook sold, Baron Fig plants a tree with tens of thousands of trees planted and counting. To get your tool set and plant a tree today, go to baronfig.com. And don't forget to use the code CONNECTED20 at checkout to receive 20% off your purchase of the idea tool set. Baron Fig, do your best thinking. Our thanks to Baron Fig for their support of the show and Relay FM. So Federica, would you like to explain this topic that you uh, came up with? All right, so I had this idea for a fun thought exercise that we could do on the show. Uh, it's a very simple question. So if the iPhone, as we know it, came out today for the first time, what hardware or software features would probably not make the cut? So the idea is, what are some fu- some features of our iPhones that app that we feel like Apple has to keep around and maintain because they are legacy features and people are used to them. But if they had the chance, they would get rid of them right away. That was the idea. And so I thought we could each come out with a, come up with a list of things that we feel like maybe, you know, realistically, this thing wouldn't exist in 2021. And so mm-hmm. I assume we are going to round robin this. Uh, I think. Yeah, why not? Why not? And I'm gonna go first. Um, most of my features are all my features are software ones, and I just have a hardware one. So my first one is, if the iPhone with iOS would come out today, you probably wouldn't be able to share shortcuts with other people. And I have a feeling that Apple really dislikes the idea of people sharing effectively like custom code with each other. Mm-hmm. I say this because I heard via, you know, these uh, mythical creatures that you find around WWDC years ago that this was one of the features on the potential chopping block <laughs> after the, you know, uh, w- when Apple started integrating shortcuts with iOS. Obviously, we know how that went. Uh, Apple put a bunch of restrictions in place. Sharing and installing shortcuts made by other people is disabled by default. You got to go into settings. Uh, you got to allow this option called uh, allow untrusted shortcuts. Um, you know, and there's a whole more stringent security mechanism in place for sharing and installing shortcuts made by others. So I think if the iPhone were to come out today with no legacy expectations from people, I don't think you would be able to share shortcuts. It definitely feels like something that if workflow had never existed, even Mm-mm. they would never, Apple never would have built this part <laughs> themselves. Like I can't even imagine that they would have ever even, maybe even not ever, I can imagine not even thinking about a directory like it, you know, 
Mm-mm. And you know, I mean, when you share shortcuts, you get these iCloud.com links. And yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know if you know or if our listeners know, but it's like uh, among shortcuts power users, we all know that the iCloud.com link you can actually reverse engineer and look at the API that puts together the shared shortcut. That is how I can extract things like the icon that a shortcut uses from the iCloud.com link because if you call on the right um, web API you can get a bunch of information, a bunch of details about the shortcut itself so like I'm pretty sure that Apple doesn't like it. Sometimes you say things on this show that I wish for your own sake you didn't say (laughs) that's one of them (laughs) right? Like if you like that you can do that you shouldn't say it we all know it. I, I just, you know, sometimes I kind of, I just, I just kind of like to steer the pot and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so here am I steering and steering and seeing what happens. But yeah, you can do that, and I don't think Apple likes it. So I have my list of things. I think are a little bit more controversial, maybe, mm. and or like I'm not sure about really any of them they're just like questions that i have like would Mm. you like do we think they would so my first one is if if the iphone was new today i believe that there would be like and again a lot of these things require like the past having happened let me explain so paid up front apps Mm, going right there is the first one right so Mm. all apps are free with in-app purchases or subscriptions, right? Now, Mm. of course, to do this, you need the history of what's happened beforehand, right? Yeah, right. Of knowing how the app store went. So, like, pretty much all of mine are that kind of thing. It's like, to to have known the history will get you to, to this point. So it's kind of like, if they were starting over, is more my thinking. If they started over today, what would they do? And I think this is one of them. Because ultimately, I think that, Apple obviously much prefers subscriptions and want people to go the subscription route because that's good for their business in a bunch of ways. I think it would be easier for everyone involved at this point if all apps were free and they did in-app purchase for features or subscriptions for long-term features because I think that the paid upfront model is difficult for developers uh, now, right? Like because of the in-app purchase model becoming so prevalent. Um, because I was thinking, like, my my main kind of point of this is the, the, the business model of the app store would be different, like 100%, yeah. right? Like, yeah. if they if the app store was they got a do-over with the app store, it would not look like how it does now from a business perspective. And I think this would be one of the things that would potentially be, be up for decision there. Because I, I was thinking, think would they maybe have no free apps? I was like, no, they would definitely have free apps because that's where all the money comes from in in-app purchases. So something like that. That's the perfect pick. I totally think if like if they were starting over today, they wouldn't even consider paid upfront apps. Like everything would be free by default, and then it would just be a bunch of different flavors on how to unlock extra stuff, right? Whether it's uh, subscription or in-app purchases. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'm going to go with the hardware first, and I'm going to mm. say the uh, silent ringer switch on the side of the phone. Ah, okay. Why? Because they've gotten rid of it uh, on the iPad. You know, Remember on the iPad, it, you could also make it the screen rotation lock switch, 
which I, I loved that feature of it. Then you could change it back and forth. But it's like when I look at the phone, like what is here that makes me think about this as a telephone more than anything is that switch. And if the phone would be coming out today, Uh, you could just do this in software. Plus, a bunch of Android phones do this in software, and it's totally fine. So I'm I'm always surprised that it has remained as long as it has. So I'm going to put it on the chopping block. Yeah, because, like, just holding down the volume down button is perfectly fine. And as you said, that's how most Android phones do it. They don't have a dedicated switch. You just hold the volume down button, and it just goes straight to vibrate. Because I know people are going to be like, but Stephen, what about when I'm in a meeting? It's like, no, no. Like, it's not that you can't put your phone on silent. Right. It's just there's a different way to do it, which doesn't require a physical switch on the phone to do it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, The Robin has come all the way back around again. (laughs) My second pick is also a hardware one. Now, this will probably not be, appreci- not be appreciated by some people. Uh, let's just say, Federica, that is a blanket statement for this entire segment, is that these are probably 20 things that will not be appreciated by many people. I think you get that one right out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're right. That works for all the picks. Uh, if Apple were to release the iPhone today, I don't, I don't think they would use a lightning connector. I think they would like to use USB-C. I find, I, I think the USB-C story started out, was kind of confusing years ago, and then it got better over the years. And now I feel like I, like many other people, would love to have USB-C on everything. And in an, it annoys me that my iPad Pro uses USB-C, is compatible with other USB-C accessories in my life, and I still gotta use that lightning connector for my phone and my AirPods. I, like, and my AirPods, it's not so bad because I can just put them on a charging pad and they charge fast, but with the phone, man, I, it's just so annoying that it's not USB-C. And I would like it to be the same. And I think there's a bunch of reasons why Apple doesn't doesn't want it to change. Um, and I guess the most important one is the mess that happened years ago when they switched from the 30-pin dock connector to Lightning. Like, that whole story lasted like a year of people complaining and complaining about the switch and, oh my God, I have to get a new cable. And so I feel like we got to stick with Lightning uh, until they eventually make a portless iPhone. No. Well, I, I think I was thinking about what you were saying when I saw your Lightning connector. Well, I think it was just they wouldn't even have, it wouldn't need no be no connector. Like if they were starting again today, I don't think they would start with USB C. But in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty one, I don't. Yeah. Like maybe in a couple of years, I don't think right now they are necessarily ready. I think they maybe want to have like a, like a, a MagSafe um, standard that supports uh, even higher um, charging rates, maybe. And uh, I don't know. Are they really ready for a portless iPhone in 2021? So I think if they were to do it in 2021, it would be USB-C. Hmm. Or like if they had to do it, like, like you imagine, if they had to do it without the past... Like, assume that Lightning didn't exist. If they still had the 30-pin dock connector, and they would say, okay, look, we got this giant connector on the, on the iPhone. Which, which new type of connector do we want to use? Do we want to make our own, or do we want to use USB-C? 
And I think if that was the case, they would totally use USB-C. I'm also going to go over hardware pick. Just keep that train going. Face ID. Ah, yes. Yeah. I think if Apple were making a phone, an iPhone today, they wouldn't use face unlock. They would use in-screen touch unlock. I think that's how they would do it. Either in-screen touch ID or power button touch ID or whatever. Uh, I don't think you would you would do face ID. I think, especially if you were doing it in twenty twenty one, right? Like, why would you why would you create now facial scanning? It'd be a terrible idea because no one can use it. <laughs> so, like, I, touch ID would be the way to go. Hard to disagree here. <laughs> Obviously, um, I yeah. think I think we will look back at face ID in the future and be like, that was a mistake. Hmm. I do think it. Hmm. Do you do you think that they would have do in screen touch because of the pandemic and the mask issue, or because now under screen touch is like a thing on a bunch of Android phones and it seems to work pretty okay? And that wasn't the case when Face ID came out four years ago. I I, I do think both. I think it's both things. I think it's a combination of both things. I think Touch ID like fingerprint is still more convenient in a lot of situations and. I'm sure is uh, more reliable, like in pretty much every, you know, like the fact that you still can't, like that your phone still has to be perfectly level with your face, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I still can't believe that, that we're still doing that <laughs> all these years in, but yet my iPad doesn't seem to care. Like I just don't, there's still so many things I don't understand about the way that Face ID has been implemented. And I, I you know, I think we've spoken about it on this show before that we all think they'll go back to Touch ID. Whether they'll keep Face ID or not, we're not sure. But we think that they'll go back to Touch ID when, you know, there's like all more cool tech. But I think if you were starting today, Face ID would just be a, would be a mistake. I'm going to go with a, a hardware feature as well. And I'm going to say haptic touch. This is a good one. feel like we have haptic touch because we had 3D touch for a while, starting with the iPhone 6S. And then it got it got phased out. They're phasing out the same thing on the watches. In fact, is it, the new watch doesn't have it at all, right? Is that true? Correct. Yeah. Uh, and I think the tap something or like tap and hold until it vibrates, but it feels like you're having to push harder. Like that whole thing is just the trigger between those two things is too narrow. And I think it's a little confusing. And I think everything should just be, you know, a single tap or tap and hold, but like the weird like some things are tap and hold and some things are haptic touch and it's very confusing and all that's too messy, I think. And so simplifying, continuing to simplify that touch stuff, I think is something Apple will do. So Mm -hmm. I think starting over or starting now, we wouldn't see anything like that. You would never create peak and pop without force touch or 3D touch, whatever it's called. You never would have made it, right? So like haptic touch only exists because there was once this hardware feature. All right, I am back to a software pick, a, a feature of iOS that I don't think would exist in 2021 because I feel like it turned out to be a fad years ago. Copy and paste. Wait. <laughs> you both are going to make you both are going to make fun of me for choosing this one, the iMessage App Store. Federica wants a shallow and closed <laughs> framework. <laughs> I feel like history proved that the whole idea of installing like these custom extensions or apps or you know some companies call them chatbots in your in your 
messenger application. Uh, like that was a thing years ago. You know, sometimes Silicon Valley decides this is going to be the hot new thing and we're all going to do it. And uh, sometimes Apple hops on board on that train and they also do it. And I think the iMessage app store is a case of that. I sort of want to uh, spend one good word for stickers. I think stickers are, are still great. I don't like use them myself. But I think for for it's a shame that Apple hasn't done more in that regard for artists, for you know creatives who want to share and sell and sell stickers. But the the whole thing of the iMessage App Store, I mean, it's basically useless, and I think it's gonna get shut down at some point in the future. I think that just the iMessage sticker packs store, just iMessage sticker packs, is all it should be and all it should have been. Trying to think that we would make open table reservations in the in <laughs> iMessage like <laughs> Jesus yeah <laughs> all right I, I I consider my next one so uh, uh controversial I'm a little bit nervous to say it even but I do think that it makes sense objective C it just wouldn't do it it'd be all swift and swift UI that's it no wow. objective C for development because look if- I kind of I kind of want to buy this hot take as an NFT if possible <laughs> Just, 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 I just want to store it. <laughs> okay. Oh, that that reminds me. By the way, I looked into trying to mint an NFT of a clip of the show, and it was just too difficult, and I gave up. I just thought it'd be a funny thing to do in follow up, like two weeks ago. We need a youth to help us. And, yeah. No, I I know how to do it, but you have to like to get on any of the reputable places. You have to be approved, and it's like they're not going to approve me for this stupid joke. Like, <laughs> right? Why not? Like. Because well, it's like I'm not an artist, right? I would have just been submitting like an overcast clip <laughs> to like one of these digital marketplaces uh, yes. for artists. I, we are artists of irony. You you don't even want to know how far down I got into the stack and all the things I had to do to try and get there. Like it's just like it was a whole many hours of work that I ended many up hours. Like, okay, wow. <laughs> Thank you yeah, for your service. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. anyway, uh, um, yeah, Objective C. I just look. I don't think we're that far away from it being Swift and Swift UI is the like not just the default but the only way to make iPhone apps. Like it's not super close, but I don't think it's that far away. Um, so if you were starting today, why would you still support the older language when you have a new one that you think is your future? You just wouldn't do it because Mm. it would be silly. Like, you know, I'm I'm sure Apple would love to just get rid of Objective-C now so everybody would use Swift and SwiftUI because it's what they want people to use. But they can't do that. It's unrealistic. But if you were starting fresh, you wouldn't support the old language. You just wouldn't do it. I mean, I guess in an alternative timeline where... Uh, you know, Apple had the Mac, obviously, and they decided to do the tablet first. And then the the iPad was super successful that they keep they kept just doing the tablet. And now they woke up last year and they decided we also got to do a smartphone in 2020 for 2021. Right. Yeah. Okay. And they already had Swift because they made both Swift and Swift UI for iPad. Then I guess yeah. They wouldn't use Objective-C on the iPhone at all. They would just use the new stuff. Yeah, like if, if you want to make an iPhone app, you use Swift or SwiftUI. I don't think it... Yeah, I think if, if, if Apple were to make an iPhone today, then yeah. 
and we're, we're, we are going to get the tweets from developers and programmers say, oh, but in, you know, closures, whatever it means. I'm sure it, I'm sure it'd be so difficult for you. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, whatever. Right? Like, I don't care. Like, for example, for example, like, I could imagine, hey, here's our new hey. AR product. You can only use Swift, Swift UI, and these go. frameworks to make apps for it. Done. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to say the iTunes Store application. Oh, come on. No, that's where I buy my TV shows. No. Well, but, no but just put it in the TV app. Why does the iTunes Store still exist? <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. saying. If you open it, you can buy music, movies, TV shows, and tones. There's some genius is still oh, in here. Oh, my God. Tones. Tones. Why does everything else have a store tab in it? But then there's like, why don't they put store tabs in the in the apps? That's what I'm saying. In the TV app, have a, you know purchase options. In the in Apple Music, have an uh, in the Apple Music app, have an option to buy something if you want it to. I don't know what you do with tones. I guess maybe you just put it in the phone app. Put it in the phone app. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Okay, maybe there's just a tone store. But this, I mean, you look in here, and it's like a, it is like a relic of history in here. You could still buy like. Very relevant songs as ringtones. You, you can buy a you can buy a pop smoke ringtone if you want to. Uh, I mean, rest in peace, pop smoke. But yeah, that should be a really, really good tones. Oh, there's eighties, nineties, and two thousands collections. Let's look. You can get a Megan Thee Stallion ringtone. Uh, have uh, Avril Lavigne sing when I my phone rings. Oh my gosh! All of the number one ringtones are sea shanties. That's still happening. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> There's a whole debate that we should get in at some point. Like, what does it say about you as a person if you still use a ringtone in 2021? Like, what is the type of person who still uses a ringtone? I have a ringtone set, but my phone is on silent 99.9% .9 of the time. Mm -hmm. So I, no, I hardly ever hear it. But on occasion, my phone is off silent, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, we're back to me. Okay. Yep. The Robin is back in Italy. Uh, okay. So this one is going to drive you both. <laughs> this one made me so mad. <laughs> I, we're the, I'm the person. Steven's the person that got mad at reading this. I am sorry. Uh, but I feel like given how things are going, given how the audio market is changing, and given the competition, I feel like if Apple were to make an iPhone today, and if that iPhone had a podcast app as a default one in it, I don't think you would have the ability to paste any RSS feed URL Boo. in your subscriptions. I am, I am sorry. I just feel like if they were to do podcasts today, they would basically just give you one option which is you can get a podcast uh from apple podcasts mm -hmm. and uh, that's it just like you subscribe to a show in spotify even if that show happens to have a website with an rss feed i don't think all of that would be abstracted on on a pod, oh on a, i mean frankly federico the way the whole way that apple podcast works isn't the way they would do it today that it doesn't like rehost the audio from somewhere like you know the fact that apple podcast works as this system to just point you to rss feeds to up, like they wouldn't do any of that 
Like it, you yeah. wouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. They, they would create a system that works like Spotify and everybody else. So yeah, it, I would hate this, but I agree with it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. So I, that's sort of what I was getting at, which is you wouldn't like it, but I think it would make more sense to do it this way. Uh, screen time. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like the iMessage app store. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just spent pretty much an entire episode of Cortex complaining about this. But screen time was created as in response to digital well-being, the trend of digital well-being, and then has basically just been ignored since. Like, I do like how you said of that episode that they've made it better on the Mac, so you turned it on, and then you complained about it being broken on the Mac for an hour. That was that was fun. You, you know, you know what? Because it is better on the Mac, but it's still so bad, right? Like, it's kind of because the, the previously would would say that you used Finder for twelve hours a day on Catalina. Yeah, and at least on Big Sur, it doesn't do that. But it, for some reason, Safari is horrifically broken. That sometimes I get twenty-four hours a day, every single day of usage of a single website, even my Mac isn't sleeping. So it's still super broken on Big Sur, but it's better than it was in Catalina. It's kind of ironic, maybe I don't know how to describe it, but I feel like right now, given the pandemic. Uh, a tool that makes us feel bad for using computers is probably the last thing we need. So like, hey, get, at least let me use my phone. Like, uh, I care about my own digital well-being. Thank you, iPhone. Like, don't mm -hmm. shame me because I literally the only way for me to stay in touch with people is to spend time on Instagram and iMessage. And I feel like because of how the world has changed over the past year, like... The, literally the last thing we need is to you know to have a condescending screen time that sort of it's right there judging us and pointing finger at us and, and be like you're bad at using computers no thank you it's literally the only way that i have to spend some time at home all right my uh my final one is uh it's not as strong as my other ones i feel like but i want to throw it in here uh and that's the today view on the iphone Mm. Huh, okay you know it came mm. out of the world where there was like notifications and today and we didn't really know what anything why things were where they were remember for a while like ios 8 and 9 apple would give you like a paragraph of text it was like it's gonna be sunny today your next meeting is with john at 2 p.m <laughs> oh my god you're right yeah it was ios 6 i think oh my god yeah all that stuff's gone now it's just a place to put widgets that are on the home screen but i feel like Starting today, you would need widgets, and I just don't know if like you, we need a special place for widgets that's not the home screen. I don't know. Yeah, just just put them on another page. Yeah, you are right. That feature is literally there, I think, because it's the only per place where you can still use the legacy widgets. Let's call it now. Let's call it now. It doesn't exist in iOS 15. It doesn't exist anymore in iOS 15. Yeah, that, those widgets have already been deprecated in iOS yep. 14. So, yeah, I think that, that feature's gone in okay. 15. So maybe a stronger pick than I thought it was. I have three more, but they're quick. Okay. Game Center, because, like, LOL, <laughs> what is it even? Yeah. It's still there, yeah. right? Like, it's not an app, but it's a framework. <laughs> yeah. Now, people will say, oh, but it syncs my game progress. You don't need Game Center no, to do that. They could have just done it with iCloud, right? Yeah. Syncing with the Mac via a cable. You just wouldn't. If the phone was new, you would just not have that, right? Right. right. 
Because like what? <laughs> like who cares? Right? Like you just wouldn't <laughs> make this as a feature. I need to sync my contacts and my contacts <laughs> with my just like whatever. And then similarly, it kind of led me down this thing of the iCloud Music Library match thing. I know how great that is if you have your recordings of whatever. You just be, you would just be like, no, just use an Apple Music. If it's not an Apple Music, uh, it will be. Oh, you don't have it? Ah, don't worry about it. Right? Like that that would be it. Like they only still have that because they had to have that because once that was the thing you paid for. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There are other services that let you upload your own files to the cloud. I don't know about that Yeah, one. but I just don't think Apple would be the company to do that. Yeah, maybe it's like some some standalone thing or like in the absence of that, maybe like Dropbox has a media player or something. Yeah. Who knows? I reckon it only still exists now because like that used to be the thing, right? That that you could pay and it would do the match. Is that what it was called? Yeah. iTunes match. iTunes match. Is that mm-hmm. starting? And, and I and I and I said I I told John on app stories, I think. Uh, I ca- like I was one of those few people who kept paying for it even though it was no longer necessary. And so, like, I think I wasted a year of iTunes match because I didn't unsubscribe. Um, so, yeah, good times. Which Apple should have just not made possible. But. <laughs> also, but hey, the services, right? So I think that's it, guys. Mm-hmm. All right. We have fixed the iPhone. <laughs> no. Sure. No, we definitely didn't do that. We made it worse. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we, we are, I think we are pretty good at coming up with uh, alternative timelines for sure but we definitely made it worse like super worse than before so if you want to find more about the topics we spoke about head on over to our website at relay.fm slash connected slash 337 there you can get in touch with feedback or follow-up there's an email link right there on the page you can also join and become a member and get connected pro which is a longer ad-free version of the show that we put out each and every week. Uh, This week, I talked about a Best Buy experience and how it was weird. You can find us all online. You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike streams about keyboard stuff most Fridays at Mm Mike.Live, and he hosts a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. You can find Federico on Twitter as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, he is the editor-in-chief and chief iPad stand reviewer at MacStories.net. Federico, I have a question for you. Okay. Which natural disaster do you consider the worst? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> wow. This I made up on my own. This was not a first date question. Yeah, but like, Whoa. what he doesn't say is terrible. This is such a bad question to answer publicly. So ultimately, there's going to be like, oh, so you don't care about this disaster, Federico? So right, terrible. right. Well, people only oh, think that God. because you put it out there, Mike. <laughs> I guarantee you, that's not how it went. But okay. so, uh, in my life, uh, I've only experienced twice uh, an earthquake. We don't have. Uh, tornadoes or you know really strong winds how do you call them hurricanes uh, in italy like we don't we don't have those kinds of storms here um oh god i, I don't know so so there's the earthquake a tsunami um a tornado i mean the tsunami is pretty terrifying i mm, 
What what else am I forgetting? I mean, there's volcanoes. There's volcanoes. Oh my god! uh, Asteroids striking the Earth. Oh, you're saying category. I thought you meant like specific example, right? No, it's a category. Like what type of? Oh, I thought you meant like he wanted him to say like which specific earthquake Mm, was. No, that'd be terrible. Do you see why I thought that would be such a bad question? Okay, okay. I thought you were a horrible person to ask him that. I could recover my uh, (laughs) (laughs) my standing. I mean, if I were to pick something, and you have to beyond the Italian government as a natural disaster, Hey-o. Hey-o. I would probably go with. I still think that tsunami is pretty terrifying. Yeah, I think tsunami is pretty bad. It's pretty I, scary. I, I, because it's like it's like the two in one. It's like the all in one approach. Yeah. Not only do you get the earthquake, you also get the water. Just like mm-hmm. oh God, please stop. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. The tsunami, I think it's the it's the one that terrifies me the most. I mean, all of them are terrifying. And I'm super scared of earthquakes. Like, actually, like, panic attack level terrified, obviously. Uh, so, the tsunami, I think, because it's a combo of two things, that one. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write over at 512pixels.net. Uh, before I let you go, I want to tell you about another show here on Relay FM, and that is Rocket. If you like this show, I think you're going to also really enjoy Rocket if you haven't checked it out. They cover all the tech news of the week, but in a very fun and funny way. They have their own level of japes over there, right? Like, there's a lot of japes on Rocket. A lot, lot of japes. Uh, they cover Apple News to scams with fake blood testing companies and all sorts of things. Uh, they also cover like weird stuff where pop culture and tech meet, which is fun. Uh, so you can go check it out, relay.fm slash rocket, or search for rocket wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank the sponsors of this episode of Connected. They are Squarespace, Bombus, and Baron Fig. Until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.